Good morning, everybody. It is October 26th. It is currently 7.50 in the morning. Here is your wake-up call for Thursday on KOPN Columbia 89.5. Right now it's 41 degrees with a high of 63 and a low of about 40 degrees today. And expect rain in the next few days. Stay tuned for more on the weather. Right now let's get into a little bit of news. So this is courtesy of Laura Olson at the Missouri Independent saying COVID-19 vaccines for kids ages ages 5 to 11 could be ready as soon as next week. The next wave, this is a quote, by the way, the next wave of the massive COVID-19 vaccination campaign could begin as soon as next week after federal regulators decided decide if elementary school students across the U.S. should begin rolling up their tiny sleeves. That multi-step approval process kicks off Tuesday when the FDA's panel of vaccination experts will vote on whether the benefits of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine outweighs the risks it presents for kids. If the panel and top FDA officials grant an emergency authorization for vaccinating that age group, then the next step lies with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. A CDC panel would meet on November 2nd and 3rd to craft additional guidance on how the shot would be used. For parents with children in that age group, that could mean that vaccination appointments for their child could begin as soon as November 4th. The Biden administration has said there will be 15 million doses ready to ship as soon as the FDA gives the green light. Um, Next, we have from the Missouri Dependent as well, Rudy Keller. Higher COVID rates seen in Missouri counties housing a larger prison population. Um, And this is a quote. Since the Delta variant of the coronavirus took hold at the beginning of June, almost a quarter million Missourians have tested positive for coronavirus. In Missouri's Missouri's 22 prison, the Delta surge has had very different impacts, depending on whether the facility receives new inmates direct from county jails. Four do and saw additional cases in numbers that mirrored the state as a whole, with more than a thousand prisoners testing positive since June 1st. 18 don't and saw only a fraction of those cases, only 200 infections among prisoners over the same period. These differences highlight the need for uniform standards for controlling infectious diseases in correctional facilities. Whether state-run prisons or county jails, according to a new analysis on the impact of incarceration on community COVID-19 spread. The studies based on 2020 data found that counties with more incarcerated people had higher infection rates. While COVID-19 enters a jail or prison from the community, the close living conditions can cause it to spread rapidly and infect staff and visitors who take it home. And finally, here we have, courtesy of the Associated Press, Harris-Stowe University um, in St. Louis, using pandemic funds to cancel student debt. Um, Harris-Stowe University in St. Louis is using federal pandemic relief funds to eliminate student debt from the last academic school year, officials said. Harris-Stowe is one of Missouri's two historically black universities, announced that it used the funds to cancel about $330,000 in student debt, an average of about $1,076 per student, KCUR reported. The state's other historically black university, Lincoln University in Jefferson City, announced in July that it was using federal pandemic relief funds to cancel about $1.5 million in student debt for nearly 930 students. Dr. Latanya Collins-Smith, Harris-Stowe's interim president, said the burden of student debt caused by the pandemic led to low enrollment this fall. 
Many of these, many of our students were saying they couldn't work because of COVID-19. They lost their jobs, said Smith. And as a result, they could not make payments towards their balances for the previous semester or the semesters which were impacted by COVID-19. Smith said the school officials spent most of the most of the week after it made the announcement, convincing students and their parents it wasn't a hope. Eventually, the school received numerous calls and letters of gratitude, she said. And now we are going to uh, be airing my interview with Jamie Ake, who's the assistant dean of arts and sciences and a senior lecturer at Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, We are going to talk to her today about her gender violence database and the new innovative resources and access it provides to organizations and researchers looking for academic research on gender based and sexual violence. So here we go. Can you talk a little bit about, like, in a, a kind of brief layman, way, like, if I didn't know anything about it, what uh, what the Gender Violence Database is? Sure. Um, what it comes down to is that the Gender Violence Database is really attempting to gather and organize all of the peer-reviewed scholarship around gender-based violence in the United States and abroad uh, in a way that is supposed to be helpful, especially to practitioners, to people who really need the latest, greatest information about these issues um, in a kind of one-stop shop for for that sort of uh, scholarship, um, largely because this is what the whole field is moving towards. If you're in the nonprofit sector or in the advocacy sector, or if you're an activist, more and more you're you're being asked to respond to an evidence base. You're you're expected to use evidence based practice or evidence informed practice, and the only places that have um, that are generating a lot of that evidence is are in universities. Um, But because people who are in practice, mostly outside of universities and in the nonprofit sector, don't have access to easy access to research, right? It's firewalled or um, there's a lot of uh, intellectual property issues that keep people from being able to access the stuff that comes out um, more regularly. We wanted at least to make sure that there was an organized um, database that people could consult to see what was out there and give them at least a step towards that access. Yeah, I see. Um, so that was, you said around 10 years, 11 years ago that you started that? Yes. Do you think there's yeah. been like uh, cultural, I mean, because you talked even just a second ago about that. What do you think has changed as far as what nonprofits and stuff are expected to have in terms of resources in the past 11 years or so? Um, so it's, I, I guess I would put that question in the context of the field as it's evolving um, quickly, but it's, so the, the field of gender-based violence is actually not that old, um, or at least I would like to think it's not that old because it's about as old as I am. <laughs> so it started in, you know, the, the 70s and 80s to sort of pick up as a, as a place where people could do research and have it be recognized as scholarly endeavors. Um, so it was not fringe or something that was... Um, you know, something became more central to a lot of what the 
recognized disciplines like psychology or social work or sociology or interested in. Yeah, well, that's great. I think uh, unless there's anything else you feel like maybe we talked around or uh, I didn't add that you felt like adding, that's kind of the main thing I wanted to touch on. I think you've been really helpful and I appreciate it. No, thank you for for getting us out of our comfort zone a little bit and having to talk about it. All right, that was Jamie Ake, Assistant Dean of Arts and Sciences and Senior Lecturer at Washington University in St. Louis. Um, If you want to learn more about the uh, Gender Violence Database, you can go to hdw.wstl.edu slash gender-violence-database. Or you can alternatively just um, look up Gender Violence Database, WashU, and that's how I found it. Um, full weather right now. It is 41 degrees with a high of 63 and no expected rain. Tomorrow, however, expect a 60% chance of rain and high of 63 and lows in the upper 40s. Thursday, it looks like an 80% chance of rain, lows in the mid 40s and a high of 53. And Friday, there's a Friday through the weekend. Doesn't look like much rain at all. There will be a low in around the 50s and a high at about 60. Up next, we have Democracy Now!, and this evening we'll have Evening Edition with host Laura Wacker at 6 p.m., and then Dan Veets will be on at 7 for Sex, Drugs, and Civil Liberties. For the KOPN Wake Up Call News Team, I'm Samir Knox with producer and general manager Sarah Catlin. Thank you, and up next is Democracy Now!,